no signs that it is prepared to de-escalate. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Samantha Butler. And I'm Janice Wong. Today we're going to talk about calls by a group of students from the English Schools Foundation to skip in-person exams for their International Baccalaureate Diploma Program that's scheduled to take place next month. They say they are worried about cross-infection during this current wave of COVID outbreak. But the IB program only offers to waive exams for students if the school is unable to hold them for various reasons, including a government-mandated closure. The English Schools Foundation has confirmed that the IB examinations will go ahead as planned, and it believes that in-person examination is the best way to assess how students perform. So is this call by students justified? Are in-person exams really the best way to assess students? After 9.15, we'll look at a study on online learning for primary school students. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. We'd love to hear from you. And before we kick off our discussion, I need to make it clear that we did invite the Chief Executive of the ESF, Belinda Greer, on the programme. But unfortunately, she's not available this morning. The Foundation did, however, give us a statement, which I will read out later on in the programme. Now let's uh, go to our guests. In our Admiralty studio, we have Martin, a Year 13 student from an ESF school. And also on the line, we have Mervyn Chung, the Chairman of the Education Policy Concern Organisation. Good morning and welcome to you both. Um, let's start with you, Martin. Why do you think um, um, IB students should skip in-person exam this year? I, I know your school has uh, conducted a survey. Can you yeah. tell us about that? Well, I think, yeah, you really cited the reason of uh, cross-infections. But, you know, I think that's not the true factor behind this. I think it's more of a uh, the mental state of the students. You know, yes, we conducted a survey and we found that I think more than 86% preferred um, a non-exam in our school. And some of them cited that, you know, they live with parents who are immunocompromised. You know, I personally know of a friend who uh, whose parents had received an organ transplant and hence immunocompromised. I know of students that live with their grandparents and hence are immunocompromised and you know, those are very real factors but I think the majority of the students that um, that took part in the survey cited uh, a more mental issue you know the uh, the four months or so of um, online school in the past year or so has really taken a toll on the mental health and it's really this lack of motivation and lack of confidence in the IB and it's I think it's caused by this you know lack of transparency I think to this day the IB has not released like a, a direct statement addressing the issue in Hong Kong, which makes us question whether if they're even aware of how severe this, uh, COVID is in Hong Kong, because, you know, we're afraid that they see cases are going down, you know, which is a good thing, but then they would just be like, oh, at that period of time, the exam is going to go ahead and just neglect what's been happening in the past six months, past one year with some of the most strict COVID um, uh, lockdown rules in the world and you know highest death rates in the world we're scared that they're not aware of this so i think in doing that survey i think what we wanted to do is you know to reflect this uh, to reflect our concern to the school and hope that the school can represent us to the ib and kind of convey our message to the ib and hopefully the ib can make you know special arrangements for hong kong what was the response from the english schools foundation um 
or we reached out to the ESF multiple times. We reached out to our school multiple times, and you know the the same. We kind of get the same response every time. Really, it's um, you know currently we are planning to go on the exam route, but we will monitor the situation. But you know we don't know what situation they're monitoring. Are they monitoring case numbers only? Are they monitoring government mandates? We're not sure, and we're scared that you know that's the only factor they care about, and they're kind of neglecting the mental side of students. All right, Martin. Maybe let me just. Uh read the uh, statement by the ESF that we uh, received earlier. Um, the, the, it says, uh, the IB exams mark the conclusion of a, a two-year period of study which has been designed specifically as a combination of coursework and examinations. ESF believes that for IB students, sitting exams is the best approach to, uh, to assessing student capability. Exam results are an important gateway for students as they move on to further education or into careers. We will continue to monitor the situation and liaise closely with the International Baccalaureate Organization. If the uh, pandemic situation at the time of the IB exams is such that students cannot safely undertake them, we have contingency plans we can put in place. So that is the uh, statement that we got. So right. is that similar to what, what you've been hearing, Martin? Yeah, mostly similar. It's monitoring the situation. But I'd like to, oh, sorry. Uh, I'd like to point out that you, know, you made the point about how you know, IB is like this holistic program. It's a combination of coursework and examinations. And I think a common feeling among, among us students is that you know, after two years of hard work, two years of online school, two years of in-person learning, um, we don't really feel that uh, the exam is really going to give us much. We think that the cons uh, strongly outweigh the pros because there's going to be situations where, you know, for example, if Hong Kong goes the uh, the exam route and we have been negatively impacted, then we're going to be com we're going to go into the examples. We're going to take the same exams as students that are in, you know, China, Taiwan, U.S. that have been less uh, way less affected by the Omicron wave, and we're going to be graded on the same grade boundaries, and that's going to you know lead us to get lower grades in the end. And uh, you know that's not a concern that DSC students have because you know although we both live in Hong Kong, their exam board is local. So you know, if there is a fall in like average grades in Hong Kong, let's say, then they can make um, you know, amendments, for example, you know, artificially inflate the grades of all Hong Kong students or lower university standards. You know, that's something they can do, but we do not have that confidence. You know, we do not have that guarantee that the IB will make special considerations for us, and that's why we are trying so hard to push for a non-exam route. When, when are the IB exams due to be held? Because I think the IB authorities have said that you could only do the coursework route if the school is closed at the time of the exams. Um, the IB exams are due to happen in around six weeks' time. And yeah, we, we have heard that statement before. I think they made that statement like one year ago, two years ago. But you know, we have, we're hearing instances from around the world where that's no longer the case. For example, um, I know of a student that used to go to my school and is now in Indonesia. You know, they're fully resumed in-person learning, but yet they're still on the non-exam route because the, IBs, uh, because the schools argue to the IB that they have been major online for the majority of the past two years. So when there's instances like that, it really makes us wonder why IB hasn't given too much thought to the Hong Kong situation and haven't even released a statement yet, you know. For like a city with so many uh, IB students, such a small population, the IB doesn't even have like a spokesperson or let alone office. So sometimes we're just it's up to students to guess what's going on because the IB and the schools aren't um, 
cannot be transparent with us. And Martin, what is the learning situation like uh, during the pandemic for IP students? I, I understand you need to uh, complete a number of hours of what's called a creativity activity service or CAS, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is based on personal interest or skill or talent. And, and that is counted towards your final IB grade, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the CAS program. So basically, um, you're giving us like you're giving us up hours you have to complete and you kind of create your own project. I think that aspect of IB is fine because, you know, students can learn to adapt their projects online. We can, you know, tutor um, children in need online and do things like that. Um, I think mostly learning, uh, on it's online learning, and I think we've been affected as much as any other student in the world, really. Um, you know, I think most students find it incredibly difficult to concentrate on online learning. You know, I think that applies to primary, secondary, local school students, international school students. But um, yeah, I think the effect of the the effectiveness of uh, online learning is kind of dependent on students' ability to kind of manage their own time. But then, you know, besides the academic part, I think that's the most important thing about online learning is that it really takes a toll on your mental health. You know, I, I think online learning coupled with the strict uh, the strict lockdown rules that the government imposes means that a student is literally stuck to their chair for the whole day and they can like go out. You know, I used to be able to like go out for a run, go out for a hike, but now I have to wear a mask so I can no longer do that. I think that's the biggest problem that online learning has posed. All right. Now, now let's uh, bring in Mervyn Chung, the chairman of the Education Concern Organization. Um, good morning, Mr. Chung. Mr. Chung. Oh well, I think Mr. Chung, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, good morning, Mr. Chung. Thanks for yeah, joining us on the program. Um, I know you uh, maybe may, may not be that familiar with the actual IB system, but you have been in the education sector for decades. Uh, what's your view of, um, on what you've been hearing from Martin? I mean, what is the best way to, to assessing students? Are exams the best way? Uh, Martin has really uh, presented a uh, quite, quite difficult situation. Uh, now, let's start by looking at the pragmatic side of, of things. Um, now it's been uh, it's been reported that uh, uh, some some students uh, 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 over the past two years uh, did obtain conditional offers from local and overseas universities, but then uh, these institutions require uh, high examination grades uh, than in previous years. So to some extent, this reflects the um, probably the, the institutions doubt on the estimated grades uh, given to students by schools. Uh, uh, during the periods when many of the examinations can cannot be held, um, uh, well, I think uh, such a situation will probably recur this year. And also, uh, or for many countries in in the Western world, where where uh, most of the um, uh, esteemed universities uh, are there and uh, and they are quite uh, very much aspire to uh, for attendance by 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 Hong Kong students, um, schools there. Uh, are largely uh, going to uh, reopen with, uh, say, the lifting of men, uh, uh, men, uh, the kind of uh, well, uh, mass uh, uh, mandates on uh, compulsory mass, uh, uh, mass wearing and, 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 and restrictions on campuses. So uh, I think uh, the, probably the, the, the central authorities of the ID might, might uh, think that uh, things are becoming improved around the world. So will they give uh, the kind of very special considerations that Martin has mentioned to, to, the, uh, to the Hong Kong sector of the system? But uh, I think this is really doubtful. So um, for myself, I, I, I prefer the, the, in, uh, 
assessments in 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 in, in examination halls because uh, it would uh, provide uh, much higher credibility and at the same time uh, give a greater confidence in uh, in uh, you know in, uh, to universities and also employers in selecting the students or the employees. So, uh, well, I think the best way uh, uh, forward would be for student representatives and, and also the uh, ID, uh, uh, ID officials to get together, together with parents as well, to map out a way which is, uh, which is uh, you know, some kind of a win-win situation for all the stakeholders. Well, what about the local high school exams, the Diploma of Secondary Education? What have we heard about what's going to be done with that? Uh, the Education Bureau has already announced that uh, the exams, uh, uh, the DSE examination will be held as scheduled on, uh, uh, on April, uh, uh, April 24th. Uh, so uh, the examination itself will, 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 be, will take place as, uh, as originally appended unless there are very uh, severe circumstances that prevent it from uh, taking place. And uh, already it's been deferred for one month, uh, like what, what uh, the government has uh, uh, did in previous, uh, in, uh, in previous year, uh, to allow more time for students to make their preparation. I mean, local schools are on a summer break right now, which is supposed to end on April the 20th. How confident are you that we can have face-to-face -face lessons by then? Uh, well, it's, it's really hard to tell because uh, it all depends on the, uh, the epidemic situation. And uh, right now we still have, uh, over the past few days, we, still, uh, we are still having uh, over 20,000 uh, new cases every day. So, uh, but of course, uh, yesterday, uh, there, there's a good sign that uh, it's dropped by uh, close to 30% in, in terms of the new infections. So uh, I think the, um, the government and also uh, the schools are, are you know, uh, watching very closely on the development of the, uh, uh, of the epidemic situation. And hopefully that uh, if the uh, drop in, in case low continues, uh, there might be uh, uh, an environment which, which is conducive to the conduct of the uh, DSE uh, on schedule. Now, Mr. Chung, the uh, chief executive, Carrie Lam, uh, she said uh, yesterday at her daily COVID briefing that uh, anti-pandemic measures announced in February will be reviewed. And uh, this will include a look at school resumption. And uh, she will make an announcement or, or on Sunday or Monday. Mr. Chung, what do you hope to hear? I have no idea what kind of things that uh, uh, our chief executive will, will come up with, uh, uh, which will alter the, the control measures which are currently in place. But uh, it seems that uh, uh, she's, she's pondering uh, on giving a relaxation to the kind of quarantine requirements uh, for both uh, Hong Kong residents and uh, uh, in comparison with the uh, uh, inbound in, in uh, in visitors. And, well, because of this uh, numerous criticism against the uh, online uh, learning vote that are currently in force uh, in, in, in Hong Kong schools, then, well, I, I wonder if there, there would be the possibility of, of uh, doing some relaxing uh, in this regard so that uh, schools can, can have a, a, you know, a greater leeway to maneuver in teaching their students. You mean like face-to-face uh, -face classes? 
Like like uh, earlier, early resumption of face-to-face classes? Yes, yeah, true, because uh, uh, the reason why they have uh, advanced the, um, um, the, the so-called school summer holidays is because uh, they need to, the, the, the school premises for holding the, um, the uh, community-wide uh, uh, testing scheme. Uh, well, but, it's, but it's not true whether, whether or not the, um, the the same campaign would be done to, as as originally planned. If there is any change, there should be corresponding changes uh, in in terms of the reopening of of, of schools. Martin, so um, what what do you think? Would the uh, earlier resumption of face to face classes make a big difference for you? Um, it'll make it better, but I don't think it will be a big difference because I think the uh, the damage has already been done. Um, you know, I think for the past four months, a lot of students have lost the motivation to study. You know, we've been speculating, um, we've been speculating whether the exams will happen or not, and we, you know, basically, we, when we're in class, what we're going to think about is things like, oh, oh, I really have an offer, I have a predicted grade, and well, now what if we take the exams and I get a lower grade than that, and then I lose my position to maybe someone that's taking the non-exam route. You know, these are the thoughts that are kind of, you know, plaguing our head right now, and it's not so much about the quality of learning anymore we've kind of been overtaken by all these mental issues you know sure it would be good to go back to school and see our peers see our teachers but i think um what really needs to change is um the mindset of students and i think for that to change then i think schools and the ib should be more proactive in dealing with the hong kong situation and doing it with much more transparency than they currently are Uh, what sort of um, mental health support is provided um, through the English Schools Foundation for its students right now trying to deal with all this remote learning? Um, well, the schools have always had a system of counselor support, but you know, I think recently after we've reached out, uh, the schools re- um, set up like online Zoom lessons. You know, some students might, f- uh, I mean, online uh, yoga lessons on Zoom. I mean, some students might find that useful. Personally, I don't, but I also understand that um, you know there's only so much a school uh, can do. They're limited by online learning. Obviously, we're not allowed to go back to in-person lessons. I think in, I think in-person lessons would perhaps improve the mental health of students a little bit. But yeah, I think you know these online yoga classes, these online like meditation classes. I think you know um, some people might benefit from them. Personally, I think it's uh, slightly pointless, but I, I think schools are trying to listen to our concerns. And have you been in contact with other students from other ESF schools? Do they share your concerns, or is it just students from your school that's concerned? I think they definitely share our concerns. You know, there's online forums that uh, all the Hong Kong students, I, Hong, Hong Kong IB students, get together in, and I think. Our school, perhaps, were the first to conduct a survey, but now I know of many other schools that are also conducting their own version of their survey, and then presenting their own result to the school. Because, you know, for the IV to consider to make a special consideration for um, our school, it's not really possible. They do on a regional basis. So what we're trying to do is perhaps get more schools involved, get more schools to reach out to the IV together, perhaps uh, as ESF as a whole. Then I think that would definitely make a change and definitely uh, uh, kind of push the IB to. Make a special consideration to address Hong Kong students uh, at once. Uh, it, it, what's involved in switching from not doing the exams to just doing the coursework assessment? Does it just mean that you uh, put more uh, uh, percentage assessment on the coursework? It doesn't mean you have to do more coursework now, does it? Uh, no, it doesn't. I think the percentage that the coursework makes up is the same, but 
I think what the, uh, what the IB will do is that they look at our predicted grades, which is this grade that gets updated over a course of one year. You know, it's comp- it, it comes from a series of um, essays we write in class, coursework, orals, mock exams, and even just how you engage in class. You know, the IB is a very holistic program. So they take this predicted grade and they combine it with our coursework, which can be externally marked because we do not need to take exams. You know, they just send the essay to the headquarters. IB can mark it. So they combine these two to kind of produce this grade. And now this grade, it, you know, this isn't the fine, this might not be the final grade because the IB have had um, considerations for special places. You know, they have um, artificially inflated or deflated these grades according to curves from the past years because they don't want schools to, you know, over predict the student or under predict the student. So, yes, yeah, it's still very subjective even if we go the non exam route. But I think it's far better than being graded on the same scale than someone that has not been affected by COVID at all. I just have an email, I'll just read it. It's a message on our Facebook page. It's a from Andrew, it says, uh, Dear Backchat, the concern raised by the uh, Year 13 ESF IB student may also apply to Year 11 students taking IGCSE exams in May and June. And uh, that uh, message is from Andrew. Um, how much do you know about that? Do you have any friends t- taking um, IGCSE exams? Are they facing similar problems? Well, you actually, I, I, I took IGCSE exams myself, and for me, they were cancelled. You know, they were non-exam, and it was a, it was a, it was a smooth process. And you know, IB has also done non-exam for Hong Kong actually in 2020, from the global pandemic. Uh, because of the global pandemic, they actually went non-exam for the entire world. And at that time, to be honest, Hong Kong wasn't too affected. You know, we were getting like what 50 cases, 60 cases a day at max, but Hong Kong still went non-exam. So, the non-exam route for both IB and IGCSE is a done and tested path. You know, it's proven to be effective. It's proven to be a leg- uh, legitimate. Universities accept this grade, and you know, personally, I don't think it's any less credible than um, than a, uh, an actual exam because you know the IB is it's almost like an examination of two years. From the second you step into that classroom, your st- your teacher's monitoring your, your engagement in class, and that's how they come up with that predicted grade that we use to apply to universities. So I think you know um, the exam is not. Um, what defines IB students, uh, their academics, I think. You know, perhaps that's more the case for DSC because you know their whole academic um, abilities is based on this one exam, but I think for the IB and IGCSE, it's very different. All right, uh, now let's uh, take a look at the situation uh, faced by primary school students. A, a new study has just found that uh, online learning has serious impacts on children's learning ability, physical health and social skills. Uh, to tell us more, we're joined on the line by Steve Wong from the Hong Kong Primary Education Research Association who helped carry out the study. Good morning, Mr Wong. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. And can you briefly tell us about your study's findings? Well, well uh Really, very brief. We found out that on on the part of the students, or especially the younger students, the the, the junior forms or junior classes, it's hard for them to concentrate. Their concentration span is low, all right. And during online learning, long-term gluing at the screen affects the eyesight of primary school students. And of course, this of course requires parental guidance and assistance. Right to help them um, uh, assess the uh, internet or surfing the internet, right? And for the uh, the uh, growth part, that the students' recreational activities are reduced. The amount of physical exercise is insufficient because they glue they glue themselves or sit uh, in, uh, in front of the uh, the screen, right? And they are 
the, the leisure activities such as playing online games and watching TV are longer, right? There are not many face-to-face classes, and thus social interaction opportunities with students are reduced. And improving uh, awareness of health, learning to wear masks and other epidemic prevention measures are uh, 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 increased. Right, they are more positive and more receptive to wearing these at the masses and the and the, uh, the doing the uh, prevention dimension that uh, prevention measures. In terms of qualitative focus, um, students have uh, well in the focus group they review that students' polarization, that self-disciplined and self-motivated. All right, the self-motivated high flyers learn better. Than the, uh, than the low motivated students because they they dare not answer right or, or they they just um, they just give up right so, uh, but of course in the classroom situation with the uh, encouragement of the teachers then those those uh, inactive students will will soon answer will, will try their best right but but in the, in the uh, online situations, uh, there is no such uh, incentives, right? Um, uh, that, uh, of course, the students' online learning abilities, such as the online data collection, assessing and using the, the system and reporting the skills, has been improved, right? But there are also report students' skills in writing, common sense, exploration, and hands-on operations are poor. Right, and then the uh, about uh, uh, this is on the part of the students. All right, so Mr. Wong, just briefly, what, what advice do you have for parents? I mean, we don't really have a choice. I mean, some of them, they have to have online lessons right now during the pandemic. So, what advice do you have for parents? Well, uh, you know, parents may not be may not be the only novice, right, on on serving the internet because. Sometimes they are not, they are, well, because most of them are working parents, and they are not, uh, the, 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 the students will not be uh, genuinely uh, 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 supported by, by, by their parents, uh, because they will be uh, their grannies and their, the maid to be, to uh, escort them, all right? They just sit there and, uh, and uh, virtually have uh, no, no help. No assistance, no usual hints or guidance to the to the students with, uh, 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 who are young, right? But of course, I think for the for the uh, secondary students, that's okay, but not for the primary, and uh, certainly not for the primary one or two. I guess uh, leaving learning aside, um, it's important just to get the kids outside for one hour a day because apparently, you know, being outside, it's good for vitamin D levels, which is yes. good to fight COVID. Sure. It's good for your eyesight. So that's one thing at least that parents or helpers could do with, with the children. Yes, yes. But because of the epidemic, right, uh, sometimes we have to abide to the, to the requirement of the government, right? So, so that is why it, 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 it remains a, 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 a conflict, right? Uh, and then, of course, uh, whether you, you take the students out, those other kids out to have sunshine, to have physical activities, and then now you have uh, the, the restrictions to only two persons, right? So uh, actually uh, gluing to the TV or gluing to the, to, to the, uh, um, to, 
to the screen, all right, will actually uh, uh, minimize their opportunities to have physical activities and and, and sports and recreations. All right, uh, Mr. Wong, uh, we're out of time, but thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Steve Wong from the Hong Kong Primary Education Research Association. Also many thanks to uh, Mervyn Cheung, the chairman of the Education Policy Concern Organization, and Martin, a year 13 student from an ESF school. And of course to you who emailed back chat today, thank you. And now a quick look at the weather. It will be mainly cloudy, foggy in the morning, sunny intervals later. The top temperature will be around 28 degrees. Winds will be light and the outlook warm tomorrow, cloudier with a few showers early next week. 24 degrees right now, relative humidity 86%. For a safe and healthy living environment, owners should not alter the drainage systems of buildings on their own. They must ensure proper maintenance of drainage pipes and should appoint qualified professionals or contractors for regular inspection and arrange early repair if seepage or defects are found. They may apply for loans or subsidies from the Buildings Department and the Urban Renewal Authority. Visit bd.gov.hk for details. It's now 9.32 to news with Andrew Shirovsky. The MTR Corporation says services on the Kuntong line are gradually returning normal. Following a disruption during rush hour this morning, the rail company says a faulty overhead cable near Yamate Station has been temporarily fixed. The minister in charge of Hong Kong's COVID vaccination drive says the authorities have met their target of giving the first dose of the COVID vaccine to all eligible care home residents in Hong Kong. Civil Service Chief Patrick Nip said they'd set a target for their vaccine outreach teams to visit all 1,100 residential care homes and give the first dose of the vaccine to all eligible residents by today. And Turkey has disclosed details of an outlined peace agreement proposed by Russia aimed at halting the war in Ukraine. They were discussed in a phone call between President Putin and the Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. But the U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has cast doubts on Russia's proposal, saying they show no signs it's prepared to de-escalate. We'll have these stories and much, much more at 10 o'clock. I love my radio, I listen night and day, I just cannot miss a thing. They are all such a lovely bunch up at RTHK, never know what each show might bring. After back chat, there is this chap, who is talking arts and politics and news. It's loads of fun, from now till one. So it's Phil Wheeler and a nice fresh morning brew. Now and again, that definitely needs an airing. Good on you, Steve-O. Good morning and welcome to today's Morning Brew. Until one o'clock. What we're going to do today is say hi to producer and musician Mark Rawson at 1010 for some more great new Hong Kong-made music by and for Hong Kong artists and bands. Listen out today for tracks from John Loudon, the song that's kind of going viral... My home, Jamie Chung, John Hutton, John Primmer, and the Red Stripes. At 11.10, Danny Hicks brings you this week's sports and all, and after 12, it's marshy movie time. 
Captain Couch will skillfully point you in the direction of more streaming delights. James and Danny will both be on Facebook Live and they would love to hear from you there. On the other side of the street I knew Stood a girl that looked like you I guess that's deja vu But I thought this can't be true Cause you moved to West L.A. or New York or Santa Fe Or wherever to get away from me 